This is Shayla Adam Stafford, and you're listening to another episode of PBL in Practice. Thank you for tuning in to another week of PBL in Practice, a weekly broadcast where we talk with top leaders in project-based learning from across the nation to discover best practices, share successes and failures, and most importantly, learn from each other. My name is Shayla Adams Stafford, and I've been an educator for the past 10 years, focusing specifically on project-based learning. I'm also the founder of Remix Education, a nonprofit that serves first-generation college-bound students and a member of the National Faculty of the Buck Institute for Education. Enough about me, let's get into our guest for this week. Today we will chat with PBL practitioners Andrea Wilson-Vasquez and Hannah Cushing, both educators at West Education Center and Alternative High School in Intermediate District 287. Andrea is a makerspace teacher and is an advocate for hands-on PBL combined with passion-based learning as a way to engage all students in digital age problem solving. Hannah works in programs serving students labeled with emotional and behavioral disorders and students who are in chemical dependency treatment. Today we'll chat with them about their approaches to engaging students around their interests and how they manage their unique style of PBL. so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. We're excited to be here. Great. Let's jump into the interview. Sounds good. Yep. Okay, awesome. Alrighty, so we just heard a little bit about your background, but what else should our listeners know about you guys? Well, I am the middle child of nine, so I'm really, really good at flying under the radar and then also seeing <laughs> kids who fly under the radar. <laughs> Middle of nine, wow. This is Andrea. I love to make things and um, started out with the idea that I wanted to sew everything after watching Project Runway and then evolved into loving to sew things that also have, um, that light up like electrical things. So I've made a couple of Halloween costumes and some kind of cool clothing pieces that have light up circuitry involved nice nice now I'm sure can that get a little bit can that become a bit of a safety issue walking around you know with the electric lighting on you or I'm sure you you made it like safety. (laughs) yeah the battery can get a little warm so you just have to sort of keep that in mind (laughs) wow well thank you guys for joining us today and I'd like for you guys to just share with us what brought you both to project-based learning Um, This is Hannah. Um, I actually was not immediately sold on project-based learning. It it sort of became um, something that was a big idea coming up in our district. And um, there was a presentation. (laughs) It was like before school for about 30 minutes. And I sat there and was like, nope, that's not going to work here. Not with my kids. And Um, The more I thought about it, it took me like probably the rest of that school year to kind of reflect on what I was already doing and think about how I could change what I understood to be project-based learning to better meet the needs of 
uh, the kids that I do have. So it just really took a lot of time and reflection and eventually I realized, hey, what I'm already doing isn't working that well. It might be worth trying something that is really student-centered and student-led. Right. Andrea, how about you? And for me, this is Andrea. Okay. Yeah, for me, it, it started for me, I think, when I was, um, my teaching license is actually in ESL, English as a Second Language. And when I started out, I was working in a school where I was asked to pull students out in order to meet with them. And I just felt really conflicted about that because I knew that when I was working with students, pulling them out, they were missing really crucial content curriculum. And so I really wanted to work with the classroom teachers to collaborate on things that um, they were doing in the classroom, but then build in some of our language objectives and things that the students needed to work on. And that evolved then into, um, focusing on like the design process and how we could um, work with all students to work in goals and things that they needed to do, but also things that they were interested in and um, through a process to, to do projects that incorporated all of those things. Definitely, definitely. So Andrea, tell me a little bit more about the school that you both teach at and tell us a little bit more about passion-based learning. That's super cool. I want to know more about that. Yeah, so the school that we work at is an alternative high school. We have um, four or five different schools within a school, so kind of different programs. Uh, we generally work with students who have um, emotional and be behavioral issues, so um, a special ed designation of EBD. Um, we have a lot of students who have just some issues with mental health and uh, are working with a lot of challenging situations outside of school. Um, we also have a program that works with students who are doing like credit recovery, like an ALC, Alternative Learning Center. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, some students who are a part of a, a treatment program that come in and do some of their core classes here. Wow. Um, so our district as a whole, we receive referrals from students' home districts when their, um, their needs exceed the needs of what the school district can accommodate. So then students are referred to us. And really, our school, as a high school, we really are intentional about providing pathways to learning that are um, more focused on the students' kind of interests and, and really just trying to do things in a way that are really hands-on and kind of don't look like what your traditional school might have already tried. <laughs> right, right. And so I guess my question is, how do you find out the student passion? Absolutely. Well, I think it definitely starts with the relationship and getting to know the student. And I know Hannah and I do that in kind of similar ways where we really focus on talking with the student one-on-one -on -one. and um, like in my class, which is more of a makerspace hands-on class, we have like an interest inventory. So I have students fill out like what some of their interests are and um, what some, some possible topics of projects might be and see if any of those help to pique their interest. But Hannah, you do another similar thing, I think. Yeah, in a similar way, I have students start thinking about like what are the things that you're curious about? What are the things that um, make you wonder or like We'll talk about if if you're online, like what what are the links that are going to pique your curiosity that you're going to click on because you want to find out more about it like, and trying to narrow down um, ideas. I, I think a lot of our students have a hard time sometimes um, 
thinking in that way because they're used to sort of just having a worksheet put in front of them. And so like something that's really open-ended is difficult for them. So then both of us have like topic lists and menus. Like if they're really stuck and they can't think about that open-ended type of question, mm -hmm. we can sort of get them started and hope they might take off on a tangent from there. So is it possible in one of your classes for, let's say every single student to be working on something totally different? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty common. How do you guys manage that? I'll tell you what, writing up sub plans is a real headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more difficult to not be here. <laughs> um, well, we're lucky to have um, fairly small class sizes, so as opposed to a typical school that might have 30 students in a classroom where rarely over 10, no matter what program. Wow. Okay. That so that, that really helps to make that manageable. Um, I've actually found that constantly planning and like staying a step ahead mm -hmm. is just as time consuming yeah. <laughs> as um, helping kids um, do their own thing. Yeah. Wow. We've tried a couple of different like project management, um, I guess, templates. Like I think Hannah and I each had different like um, templates that we asked students to fill out as they were working or, you know, had students try to like guesstimate about time estimates that things would take, uh, that different pieces of the project might take. But what we've landed on is we found an online tool that's worked really well for both individual student project tracking and having students take the lead on that. And then I do it more of a like whole class um, report out at the end of the period, how, where you're at with a project and it's called Kanban Chi. So it's oh, like a, that for us. Kanban, <laughs> K-A-N-B-A-N, and then Chi, C-H-I, Kanban Chi. Okay. And what's great about it is it integrates with students' Google accounts, so nice. they can don't have to have a separate sign-in for it. And it's sort of like a drag-and-drop to-do list where you can um, collaborate on a, a board, so like... Um, you could have like the teacher and the student shared on a, a to-do list board and the student has like, here's the things that I have to do in order to get my project done. Here are the things that I'm working on currently. And then here are the things that I have completed. And they sort of drag things from one column to the next as they are moving through the process. And Hannah, I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about how that works. Um, I was just going to add that it's, it's loosely based on um, the Scrum project management. So like a lot of companies use that. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk to kids about, sometimes they think, you know, like, why do I have to do this extra stuff if I know what I want to do? Right. Um, but talk about the skill of learning to manage a project is something that you're going to use, whether you go to college or whether you're um, just working full time after high school, you're going to have a task that someone tells you to do and you're going to need to figure out how to allot your time. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I'm thinking about how many teachers struggle with this skill of teaching management to students. Because I think even as adults, I mean, people go and get like project management certificates, people go to 
grad school for management. And so there's this question of how do we teach young people these skills of management? And what you all described sounds like a really, a really cool way of helping students really internalize the tasks that they have to do. So that's, that's awesome. I'm definitely interested in learning more about that platform. So we've got two PBL superstars right on the phone right now. So both of you have separate superpowers and both have separate breakthrough PBL moments. So I'm going to start with um, Andrea. If you could just share with us, what do you feel superpower? And just tell us a little bit about a moment that really was like a breakthrough moment for you. Yeah, sure. So I think something that I feel I'm really good at with PBL is helping students to identify their own passions and areas for creativity. I have a lot of students who come in to my class, which again is a makerspace class. So really a lot of hands-on, a lot of design and technology. And they're like, I don't even remember why I signed up for this class. I'm not creative. I don't like technology. I'm, I don't like designing things. And so having helping them sort of break through that shell and um, really getting to know them to help them identify those passions and then find opportunities for making things through those passions. I think that's a superpower that I have. Um, and it really plays along with that. And my, I guess one of the breakthrough moments that I was thinking about is um, I had a student who, just as I was describing, came into class and said, said those things about, you know, I can't remember why I signed up for this as my elective. I really don't, I'm not a creative person. I don't like projects. And um, in talking with him, I learned that his grandma is someone who's really important to him. And he was talking about how she, you know, she's always losing her keys and um, was just sort of sharing as a, as a side conversation. I think he was kind of hoping that I would forget, you know, time was passing in class and would lose track of what we were supposed to be doing. And I was uh, thinking about, okay, well, that actually could lead to a pretty cool project. And so um, got him interested in 3D design and actually created a pretty cool specific keychain for his grandma. And that just led to a whole... Um, whole sort of opening of his eyes of different project options that he could make for his grandma. It was just so cool to see how he maybe didn't recognize that that was under the label of being creative yeah. or, you know, being hands-on or doing a project. Once he had a focus and had identified a specific person that was really meaningful to him, all of a sudden he was really excited and, you know, he started getting other kids excited about doing similar things. So That's that was a really cool moment. That's great. Hannah, tell us a little bit more about your PBL superpower. My PBL superpower, I think, is um, just sticking with kids who don't want to finish things until they actually finish something. <laughs> um, one of the realizations that led me to PBL um, was that when I was teaching language arts more traditionally, I'd have, um, because of attendance or because of um, we have kind of a transient population. Kids would get a lot of parts of things. And I started to realize that that had been true for most of my students for a lot of years, maybe, maybe <laughs> their entire education. Mm -hmm. And when I started to talk to kids about like, when we'd start on a project and they'd get um, really negative about it, I'm not even going to finish this. I'm not, can I just, can you just give me a grade on what I've done? Right, right. <laughs> Um, I started to ask, like, when's the last time you actually finished something? And, the, and I'd hear things like, oh, I don't know, like third grade, or I don't remember. And so it started to become like the most important thing to me is that you're going to do something from beginning to end, yeah. no matter how long that takes. Um, because I just think even if 
you only finish one thing beginning to end, that's a whole lot better than a whole bunch of fragments of different pieces of literature or whatever else I would do in a typical language arts class. Nice. Hannah, I might need you to be my accountability partner. I, I have a bunch of unfinished <laughs> projects that I need to just get done. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a skill. What'd you say? <laughs> I said I need to be my own accountability partner. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Andrea. All right. Andrea, tell us a little bit more about some challenges that you've encountered as a PBL practitioner. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had a little bit of trouble narrowing it down actually to just one challenge or like to a specific moment. But I would say that I could sum it up um, with two main areas. So one thing that I was thinking about is just because um, some of our students come in with that idea that, you know, I'm not creative and um, maybe they, like Hannah was saying, they haven't really finished many projects before or um, had much success with projects before. They come in and have a really hard time selecting projects. Um, so I've developed uh, like a menu of makerspace projects to help students get started. But of course, mm -hmm. there's always the chance that nothing there piques their interest. So that can be a challenging thing. But I found that like building relationship with them can really help um, help them mediate that that space. And then the other thing that I am always looking for new ideas about, so if you have any ideas or know anybody who does, send them my way, is just helping students to work more independently. So like if I have a student who is soldering over here, and then I have another student who's doing some 3D design over here, and they've never done it before, and then I have side of the room that's doing like robotics, and they all are sort of unsure a little bit about the next step, just empowering them to know, hey, we have some class resources available and it's okay to, um, to not know the next step and sort of just figure it out. It's something that we're always working on and uh, always, I'm always looking for ways to empower students more and also to spread myself a little thinner because there's just one of me, you know, right. so, so that's a thing, yeah. Let me, let me ask you guys this question. For someone who's not familiar with makerspaces and not familiar with passion-based learning, what would you say to someone, maybe a naysayer that says, well, it seems like there's an emphasis on the product with this type of PBL. Um, how, how would I ensure if I were to do this that I'm actually making sure the students get the content? What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, actually, we have um, several signs up in the makerspace that say like it's all about the process and not the product, right. because since there are situations where like students just get tired of a project or we reach a point where we just don't have the materials on hand to complete a project, for example, where we're doing constant check-ins about the project and the progress that's happening throughout and even snapping photos along the way so that we can reflect about each segment and how that's going. And then, uh, and then having students reflect about wherever they're at and maybe what you would do next or how you would do things differently next time. So I've, been, I've tried to be really intentional about focusing on that process and the skills that we're building and the you know, content pieces that we're incorporating as we go because the end can sometimes be a long ways away. And so really finding those victories as we go is really crucial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it sounds like you incorporate a lot of reflection into, mm -hmm. yeah, the entirety of your project, which is awesome. 
So do you all have yeah. any specific tips for PBL practitioners or organizational tools that have really helped you? You already told us about one, um, but is there anything else you, you both are using that's really been helpful? Um, I think my biggest tip, which is um, not about a specific tool necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, I think really being patient with kids who really struggle with um, social and emotional regulation or decision-making, or even just who've been in settings where they've had a, a lot of education that has allowed them to be really passive and just, you know, fill out worksheets, that kind of thing, um, that it takes them some time. Like, it's not immediately fun for them sometimes, mm-hmm. even, though, even though maybe they got to choose uh, a topic because they, they can't be passive and they can't kind of hide out right. um, and, and not work and just, or fill out half the worksheet and call it good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really takes a lot of time and you, it's important to be patient um, both with the students and with yourself. Like even if your projects aren't moving as quickly as you think as you imagined in your wildest <laughs> imagination of what this great project-based learning unit was going to look like, um, that, that's okay. Um, everything's going to take a lot longer than you project it will. Yeah, absolutely. Any other organizational tools or just tips in general? That was a great tip. Give yourself some pay. Anything else? Um, I think having some some reflections that really can help students think about the process. So like we use the um, Buck Institute rubrics on creativity and innovation. That's what we use in my class Mm -hmm. for um, student reflection and having them think about, you know, maybe even if your project isn't done yet, where would you say it's at here? And just having them reflect along the way can be really, I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. I just thought of, I just thought of something I could add. Okay. Um, When I, when I shifted to project-based learning, um, I found that I couldn't really lesson plan in the same way mm-hmm. um, because it just, <laughs> the templates don't fit. Um, and I, what I started to do was um, basically keep a running document of like, what do I need to get prepared for a student for tomorrow? And it was all really individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, who do I need to check in with? Who do I need to um, provide some feedback for? Um, So rather than doing like my lesson planning at the front end of here's everything I'm going to do this week, it was sort of like as we would go through the class period, I'd write down, okay, this person's done and they're ready for feedback. I need to do that before tomorrow. Yeah. and it was sort of like a running tally, like a to-do list. See, and that makes perfect sense. And that just takes me back to like my first days of teaching PBO where I just had sticky notes everywhere. So this is way more organized <laughs> than what I was doing. So having a running list, a Google document, that makes so much sense so that you can go back to it and yeah. even put links in there for what students need to do. Yeah. yeah. And Kanbanchi would work really well for that. I didn't have that tool at the beginning, but um, that's a really nice way to organize on the teacher end as well. Nice. And you can share kids' Kanbanchis. So um, I found that really useful to, um, I would drop their rubric in there 
um, drop reflection forms. And it was that way they were sort of forced to look back mm -hmm. at that con <laughs> in order to get the tools that they needed to do the next step on their project. That's awesome. Well, thank you so guys. Last, sorry, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say one more thing. I was just gonna say so if you can it's like, oh man, keep going, that's great. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say as as a teacher who might be thinking about trying this out for the first time, I think it's so somebody that you can talk to or like maybe collaborate with another teacher, another staff person if possible, just so that you're um you're able to have a little bit of support on your end too, because it can seem a little overwhelming at first, but once you're kind of in the flow of it, it feels like you know, you're empowering students and it definitely feels like the right thing. So it's nice if you can try to collaborate with another teacher or even just have somebody that you're talking to about the process of it. Um, there are great Twitter chats out there. I know that like, um, you know, the Buck Institute Twitter has always great things that they share. So um, just finding a community, finding a network that can help give you support as you're exploring, you know, how this looks and, and what, it, what it means in your class. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been great chatting with you both today. How can our listeners keep up with you guys? Well, I am on Twitter at Teacher Cush, the first four letters of my last name. All right, and that's Hannah. And my email address. Yes. Uh, it's at Teacher Cush, C U S H. And my email address is hmcushing at district287.org. Awesome. And, and then for me, my, my Twitter is at wilsandrea. So same thing, first four letters of um, my first last name, wilsandrea. And then my Instagram. So we have uh, an Instagram for our makerspace that I would love for people to check out. Um, my students are always giving me a hard time because we have minimal uh, followers <laughs> and they think that's lame. So uh, um, I promised I would promote it today. So our Instagram is at WEC Makerspace is our Instagram for our, our Makerspace. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again. It's been with you and I hope you have an awesome week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of PBL in Practice. Be sure to download this podcast and subscribe on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. This is Shayla Adams Stafford, and I hope you have a great week.